Hi, my name's Owen and you're listening to Group Influence. Today I'm joined by... Saren Rayner. And what do you do? I am a social media and marketing executive in Taunton. And why have you been invited on this podcast? So um, Owen invited me on this podcast because um, uh, I wanted to talk about mental health and how OCD is perceived and the stigma that surrounds it. Amazing. Let's get started. I guess we should probably start off with talking about what OCD actually is and what it means. Yeah, sure. So OCD actually stands for obsessive compulsive disorder and it's broken down into two sections. So there's the obsessions. So the easiest way to describe this would probably be if you can imagine you're listening to a song and um, when you had were listening to CDs, if it got a scratch in it, it would start playing over and over again. It'd be the same part. But if you can imagine that maybe not stopping for maybe three, four, five, six hours, just that same part on repeat. And the only way to get rid of it is to do an act, which may be turning off the stereo. Why would you not do that if it's so irritating? So what people who have OCD struggle with is their mind gets stuck on a particular intrusive thought. And an intrusive thought is something that pops into your head, which is quite disturbing and worries you. And a lot of people have these just now and again, they just float out again. But when you've got OCD, like a stuck record, you get stuck on that particular part and it won't go away until you do a balancing action, which is called a compulsion. And when you do the compulsion, the thought, the disturbing thought goes away but not for very long. And what doing the compulsion actually does is it encourages the obsession even more. So it's a bit of a full circle and it's not a good behavior to get into. It's actually so interesting when you put it like that as well. Like I've, I've never, I could never kind of really understood the, like the impact that it has and why mm. someone does that. Yeah. I mean, it's very easy for people to think, uh, I've got OCD, I love my sock drawer to be neatly organised or <sighs> I've got OCD because when I'm at work and my pen isn't lined up with my mouse mat then oh, it just drives me crazy <sighs> and it's so frustrating because there's part of things that people can have so you can have a bit of an obsessive personality um my mum's a bit like this she likes all her towels to be folded in the right way of course <laughs> <laughs> and you know she likes all her socks to match but that's just um a preference so if someone said to her how stressed are you if you don't do that she'd be like mm, it would annoy me but you know I wouldn't have a panic attack and I wouldn't sit there in tears for the next four hours until I could correct yeah. it um so I guess that's what differentiates between having a bit of an obsessive personality um, to actually having a full-blown disorder. And when people say, I'm so OCD, you can't be so disorder. Like, that just doesn't really make bugs me. any it really sense. really bugs me. Whenever anyone mentions that in, like, one of my friends or, like, someone at work, mm. I'm like, are you, are you joking? Like, it's just not a thing. You can't be so disorder. You can't be, the, I'm so obsessive-compulsive <laughs> disorder. Or the fact that someone even, like, says that and like thinks that it's just about like being clean or whatever yeah that's yeah. what bugs me the most like, yeah it's like you know people people wash their hands or they go oh i've just oh i'm just washing my hands i'm just so ocd and it really grinds my gears because i just think if you knew the depths of depravity that ocd actually takes you to if you knew that it was something that made me want to take my own life because I physically couldn't deal with all the thoughts in my head at one time. 
that is not the same thing as wanting to make your sock drawer look nice. There's just no comparison at yeah, all. Yeah, completely. Like, I just, I, I obviously, because I've never had it, I can't mm. really fully understand like the different issues and things that you go through but you can understand to an extent and sympathize with people like it's it's the same with if like you're talking about something else as well like another mental health issue Mm. you're not gonna be like oh i'm so anorexic are you so what's what's yeah it's like i'm on a diet i'm just really anorexia at the moment like you just (laughs) then everyone be like you can't say that and yeah for for ocd everyone's like yeah definitely acceptable but it's it's it, what makes it so hard when people say things like that is that people with OCD feel like they can't talk about it yeah. because the initial reaction people say is, oh yeah, I'm like that. It's like, can you just hear me out a second? Cause I don't think you are. Yeah. Or it creates this negative image as well of it as well. Like, because there's the two, I guess there's the two ways of thinking about it because you have the people that are trying to normalize it and make it something mm. that's more seen in the media and different things like that. But then you have the people kind of taking it away as well. Yeah. I think it's so hard to describe. I mean, there's a number of ways that people have managed to describe it, but if you could imagine that you've uh, been coated in honey and it's really uncomfortable and it's really sticky and someone's like, can you just sit there for like eight hours in that? And you're like, I've got to get it off. It's yeah. so annoying. Like it's driving me insane. I can't do anything. It's so disabling. I'll get it off me. And it's like, if you've got um, an itch and you can't scratch it, it's the same kind of thing. But the way I'd kind of describe it, which is my easiest way to kind of explain to people is um, OCD is kind of like an addiction. So the obsessions come in and then the addictive part is doing the compulsion. Yeah. So let's say um, if you were talking about um, drinking, you've had a really rubbish day at work and you go, oh, I'd love to have a glass of wine. You go, oh, I still don't feel any better. You know what? I might have another one. And then you have another one. And then you're getting to a point where this is a really bad habit and people are worried about you. And you go, oh, but it's so bad. Let me just have another one. And they say, no, don't do it. And they go, but I have to. I have to do it. I have to have another glass. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's like, it's not as easy as that. I'm addicted now. And it's the same when you do a compulsion. You get addicted to feeling comfortable and getting rid of the anxiety. But like a drink, it only lasts a certain amount of time before you're back in that same cycle again. Yeah, and I guess as well, it reinforces the behaviour. That's it, exactly. So you go, oh yeah, I feel great again now. And then you have that come down again in a similar way where you then go, oh, it's back. I got rid of it for a bit. But now it's back again. And what if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? Or maybe I didn't do that. Or And it's amazing what the mind tricks you into believing. Like there was a point where I went to the doctor and I was like, I actually think I'm mentally mad. I think I'm actually deranged. Yeah. And they were like, you're not. Because if you were, you wouldn't think that you were. Like if you were yes. mad, you wouldn't have any idea that you think you're going mad. You you wouldn't be able to process that. Yes. And I was like, I feel like I'm a logical, sensible human being. Like I've managed to get this far in my life. And yet here I am scrubbing myself with bleach and I'm on my seventh or eighth shower of the day. And this is the 70th time I've washed my hair and I still can't seem to fathom why I can't get over this one simple hurdle of having a shower. And it's just like, I'm not stupid, but why is it so hard? I guess with OCD as well, is it a spectrum 
with OCD like, yeah it, it can be so um there's the level of being um so you can be have an obsessive personality which is right yes. at the very mild kind of end of you know liking things a certain way and then you can be right at the other end where you know you can be in hospital and you can be in severe um care to be looked after and that's kind of the spectrum it, it's it tends to be maybe something that might trigger that so if you've got a personality that's maybe more prone to um having um, this obsessive thought process, you're more likely if something difficult happens to trigger you into kind of um, going into overdrive. And I mean, when something, when you want to organize your bookshelf or organize your um, sock drawer, you do it because you like to feel in control. You're like, and it's rational as oh, well that, because you yeah. like to have Oh, that feels organized. good, that looks good. I feel in control, I feel better. And it's that need to be in control that when everything else spirals out of control, you're then like, oh my gosh, what do I do that makes me feel better? I have control over everything. I'm just going to go crazy on organizing everything yeah. in my life. And that might be, that could range from cleaning yourself because you go, oh, I just, I feel like something's on me. I feel horrible. I need to get it off me. And it's all these feelings that just drive you crazy. And I guess when you have like nothing else in life that you can control, you try and control the things that you can. Mm. So like if you're at home, then you can control how you like clean and things like that. Yeah, and it's like I had in my bedroom, I had um, a series of tragic things that happened and it was five people that I knew passed away very tragically in um, airplane accidents, motorbike accidents. And they were all um quite frightening accidental ways to die yeah um and they were in the news and it was just like these people are the same age as me and they've just passed away and how has this happened like life is so fragile and then i was terrified of anything happening to anybody else and i was like i can't control anything in life nothing is controllable and then i got so panicked and freaked out by that idea i was like i need to control what i have so that's when I started becoming yeah. really obsessive over my bedroom. And I was like, this is a safe space. I'm going to make this a sanctuary. Like, this is a place where I can control. And this bit, in my mind, I'd kind of segmented a certain part of my life that I could look after while everything else span out of control, if that makes any sense. Of course, yeah. And I guess because it's so hidden as well as an illness until you show, like, the, the symptoms, I guess, it's not as easy to understand but when you put it in that perspective and the things that will happen and led up to it you can really understand and empathize as well because you can see like that it's, it's not just happened for no reason like mm. there has been something there and i yeah. think that's what people forget most of the time as well yeah and i think there was a week um i was gradually getting worse um i'd been to uni and i was a long way from my parents and i didn't have a lot of support and um something tragic happened and it was in the news um and um, somebody I was in halls with who I didn't know personally um, passed away in um, a plane accident. Um, and it went from the week before this happening to a week after this happening when I had everything in my bedroom and everything was, you know, manageable. My parents knew that there was something going on and maybe I wasn't quite as stable as I had been in the past. But, but I it guess went, it's uni as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it went from that to no one being allowed in my room I took absolutely everything out of my wardrobe I was like nothing in here is clean I piled up 60 bin bags of laundry I that I do have that many clothes that's a uh, lot of clothes <laughs> there's a lot of clothes yeah um 60 bin bags of laundry I took absolutely everything out I would scrub my floor all day long 
I wasn't even allowed to be in my own room because I... Oh, so you didn't even let yourself no, in? No, I wouldn't even let myself in. So there was a time when I um, carried something past my bedroom. I can't even remember what it was now. It might have been even a towel that I'd used, which I'd now deemed unclean. Um, and I was I, I'd shut my bedroom door and I thought the particles from this towel will have magically gone under the door and made my room dirty despite the door being closed. And I washed my floor. I couldn't wear anything because my clothes were dirty. So I'd have a shower. I'd wash myself loads of times, seven or eight times, because I was like, I'm not sure I did it right. I'll do it again. Then I go into my bedroom. Couldn't wear anything at all because I I thought my clothes were dirty. I then washed my floor 19 times in one row. My parents came home to find me collapsed in a heap I hadn't eaten because I couldn't go anywhere that was dirty. So I like basically stopped eating. I was barely weighed anything and they just found me collapsed on the floor outside my bedroom because I just couldn't keep up with the OCD demands. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was so embarrassed. Like it's, it's so embarrassing doing these compulsions because you're like, people are looking at me and they must think I'm stupid. And I just, they were so horrified and I remember they looked at my arms and um, like skin was peeling off of my arms and where I'd washed my hair so much, I couldn't dry it because I was washing it hourly. The the backs of my ears, like I could peel skin off my, it's disgusting, but people don't understand how bad it gets. Like I could peel skin off of my ears. I was peeling it off my body. And I was washing myself with antibacterial spray that you use in the kitchen. 99% Dettol antibacterial spray. I was using a shower gel. That's shocking. Like, I guess people never see that as well. I had to have, um, my my hair is really long and it was down to my elbows and I had to have it cut just above my shoulders because it was so ruined by the amount of times I wash it. I remember my hairdresser saying to me, do you wash your hair often? I was like, every other day how am I supposed to tell them I've washed my hair over 70 times every day for the last four months because they're not going to understand are they no and I guess at, at least you had your parents there to support you through it as well yeah but my imagine. my university friends were you know I dropped out of university I went back and completed my degree in the end but I remember bless their hearts I had bags and bags and bags of dirty washing and I remember when I was at at uni I just left it all in the kitchen and they were just okay with it and I'd be doing laundry up until four o'clock in the morning I'd wash my clothes at 90 degrees like that's how hot it was all my clothes lost all their color but they were clean I remember I'd have a shower and I'd wear flip-flops everywhere to make sure my feet didn't touch the floor and if my toe went just over the flip-flop I'd be like, my whole body and hair is contaminated. I need to go back and have another shower. Even though you know it's only just that the toe. I, toe. I would be like, I know it's just the toe, but what if somehow when I was going upstairs, like the toe touched my leg, like as I was climbing the stairs, what if then my, you know, I, my arm touched my leg and then I brushed my arm, you know, my hand through my hair and, and now, now it's hair's... on me and now yeah. my hair's on me and it's all dirty. And I physically was so scared by everything in life that I wasn't kind of rationally capable of making what we've just agreed that that doesn't make sense but I wasn't capable of making that decision at that point in time I was so overwhelmed by anxiety that I had to go back and do the compulsion which was having a shower did you realize like at the time when you were doing these compulsions and things like that did you realize that it was abnormal yeah people with OCD know what they're doing doesn't make sense 
which is really hard to get your head around. Yeah. It's like, I know what, it's like, do you know that this doesn't make any sense? It's like, yes, I'm aware it doesn't make any sense. But I guess if it helps. But the anxiety is like so strong that all you can do is complete that because you know it will go away if you do the compulsion. So it's like, you feel the worst you've ever felt in your whole entire life and your world is crumbling around you. But if you just have the shower, everything will go away. It's like suddenly the shower is so... Appe- Why would you not have a shower? Like, and I guess it gets you through I mean? the day as well. Yeah. And I think the way I've described the level of anxiety, so it's like, well, what is so difficult for you when you're in that moment? It's like, if you've ever um, been with a child at a supermarket and I described like this to, to my mum, if you lose that child, there's panic. You're like, oh my gosh, where's my child gone? Yeah. Drop everything. You leave your purse, you leave your, your phone, you leave everything. And you're absolutely panic stricken. What if they've gone on the road? What if they've done this? What if they've been run over? What if they've um, you know, got themselves into an accident? What if someone's kidnapped them? They're not logical things. The child is probably likely in the next aisle. But you're so stressed that you immediately think the worst. Yeah, you go to panic mode. You do go to panic mode. And that's what happens when you have OCD. So we all have something called a fight or flight trigger. A level psychology. Absolutely. (laughs) And when you have OCD, your fight or flight trigger is basically broken. So where normal people can... Not normal, I don't mean it like that. It's just easier to describe. People without OCD um, will be able to say... Um, okay, I'm not being chased by a tiger. So realistically, this situation's probably not that worrying. But people with OCD don't have that capability. So, um, you know, thinking their toe might have touched the floor and now your whole body is contaminated raises the same level of panic as losing your child in a supermarket. It's And then okay. when you lose your child in a supermarket, you think the worst, they must have been kidnapped. All these things suddenly become givens. They must have done this. They must have done that. What if they've done that? What if they've done that? Oh my gosh, my life is over. What have I become? I'm a terrible person. How could I let this happen? And you're like, oh, there they are. And I guess it's a judgment as well from other people Mm. because they don't see all of this going on in your head. Yeah. Because if you're like, you have like a wheelchair or something like that, you can clearly see the disability there. Yeah. But with something like OCD, it's it's hidden and you only see the reaction or the actual action. That's it. it. And I mean, it's so hard because... There'll be times when I'm maybe in a public place and I was at a rehearsal, um, pantomime rehearsal with my mum the other day and I was starting to have a panic attack because I moved a table and under this table there was some gum. And I was like, oh my gosh, I touched this gum. Like, I can't touch anything else now because my hand's dirty. I need to go wash my hand. And then my mum was like, oh, could you just pick up your laptop? And I was like, no. <laughs> and she was like, why not? And I was, there were the people there, I was like, I can't. And she was like, just pick it up. I was like, I can't. And I was just holding my hand out, looking like a right idiot. And I was like, oh my gosh, my hand feels like it's on fire. I need to wash it. She was like, can you just help me with this? I was like, no, 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 I can't. She was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you being so weird? And I was like, I'm having a moment. And this is how I describe it to people. I'm having a moment. And I was like, I'm just going to go wash my hands. Just touch some gum. And people were looking at me like I was crazy. But I was was so embarrassed. Like the level of embarrassment you feel because... I mean, if you'd done something like that, you'd be like, oh, it's a bit gross, just go wash my hands. But I felt like my hand was on fire. Like, it was that frightening for me. And I guess with OCD as well, it's not something you can get rid of. So there are ways to um, kind of help it. Um, And 
for example, I've, I've got two strands of, of OCD and there's lots of different strands that you could have. So you can have um, religious OCD, which is where you feel so the compulsion is praying. So you go, oh, I had this horrible thought that I um, am going to do something horrible. If I pray about it for forgiveness, maybe it won't happen. That's so that's thing. the thing. Yeah. So people might go, oh, I just looked at that woman in the street and I had a sexual thought. I now need to pray to balance out that action. It's all about balancing. So you're like, OK, yeah. well, so people will obsessively pray and, and, and use praying as a compulsion to get rid of that feeling of guilt. So that's a type of OCD. There's um, a type of OCD where you fear you've run someone over. So people driving and they go over a bump and they go, I need to go back round the roundabout and go back and check. And they will drive up and down and up and down the same stretch of road because every time they drive over it, they're like, maybe it's a body that time. I know it wasn't last time, but maybe the last Could time I went over it, definitely was a body. You know, so there's that. There's... Um, there's checking OCD, which is a strain I have now, which I've had since a child, which at the moment is probably less in control than my contamination. Um, my contamination was really, really bad about three years ago when I dropped out of university. Um, but now I'm pretty much manageable. It got to a point where I could only wear one piece of clothing once. So if you were to wear a coat out for the day, yeah. you'd hang it up when you got home and wear it the next day and the next day and the next day. But I'd wear a coat and then wash it as soon as I got home, put it on the hook for the next day, wear it out to the shop, come back, wash it again, wash it again. That's, you know, but I was like, I can't let that coat touch anything else because that's from the outside world. Whereas in my protected space, that can't touch that. I had kind of two worlds. Yeah. I don't have that anymore at all. Like I've worn these trousers twice. I wash my hair every other day. I have one shower a day. Um, I do my laundry like anyone else would. Yeah. You know, I used to wash every single piece of makeup when I got home. So I used to take my makeup in the shower. Each eyeliner pencil I would wash in the shower with antibacterial soap. Each brush I would wash out and hair Even dry it's every night. The same face. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I don't do any of that. I yeah. used to, I've broken about six phones since I've had OCD, like in a year, because I used to wash them. I've had that phone for ages. Like, I'm so much better. So in regards to what you're saying about it going away, you can really manage it. So I still have the thoughts, like we spoke about, yes. about them coming in. But when they get stuck in that record, they're there, like, you know, for a minute. And I'm like, shut up. That's just my OCD. And so I'm now able to kind of take the CD out of the player and go, you're not relevant to me anymore and kind of chuck it away. Um, yes. So I've the thoughts come in but I now am stronger in being able to kind of talk back to them and go actually I know what you are I know what game you're playing and I'm not going to play but my check-in is a bit more difficult okay I haven't really had the same amount of um counseling for that as I have had for my contamination is checking like checking doors or shut things like yeah, that yeah or... so um uh I've moved house recently and I now live on my own and uh, it's a lot of responsibility when you have your own house. Um, and I have three house cats and two rabbits. And I'm terrified. The thought stems from I'm terrified of them, A, getting out, being run over and them dying. Or B, a fire starting and me killing them all and them burning alive. So these are the thoughts I get <laughs> in my head. So I'm, you know curling my hair in the morning and I'm like right I'm gonna go to work now 
But before I go, let me check every single door in the house, not once, not twice, as until it feels right. Then I'll check every window. And then I'll go upstairs and I'll go, I don't know if I actually remember if I check those. I might just go back. So then I do it again. And then I go up to my straighteners and I check them and I'm like, they're not plugged in. I can see that. But what if miraculously my cats can put... It's amazing where the mind takes you. I'm like, my cats must have thumbs. Like, they can definitely plug this in. Like, isn't it's quite funny when you talk about it now. But realistically, yeah. it is very alarming. And then I'm like, obviously, Sarah, and I can see they're not plugged in. But then my OCD goes, um, yeah, but what if they are plugged in and Elsa's just going to burn to death and you are the reason behind that? You're going to kill your own cat. Just go back and check it. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, I will. And when something like that is really disturbing and it's it's like a threat. It's like, if you don't go back and check it, you're going to kill your pets. You think you're a good pet owner? You are so irresponsible if you don't go back and check. You can't love your pets if you're not even willing to walk back up 10 stairs to check your straighteners are off. What a horrible person. Mm. That's what my OCD says to me. And I guess it's so hard as well because it's yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's not it's not like someone else is saying that to you. No, it's me. It's, I am my worst enemy. But I try and see it as a separate entity to me because then I can go, shut up, OCD. But I have conversations with it. It's yeah. like, it's like, Saren, you must be a terrible person if you just don't go back and check. You are a horrible person. And I'm like, can you not? Like, I literally, these cats are my life. Like, I'm not a horrible person. It's like, yeah, but you're not even willing. You're so lazy not walking up those stairs just to check they're off. I can't believe that. If you don't check that window, they're going to escape and they're going to be run over and you, their life is going to be over because of you. And I'm like, but that's just, I've done it. I've checked it. I know I have. Yeah, but what if you didn't? Like, but I have I know it yeah but just go back and do it again for goodness sake you terrible person that's the way it talks to me it's so it's it's like a bully and so you can think when you just got the keys in your hand and you've got a coat on your shoes are on you're turning the key in the lock you're like right off I go and it's like you're gonna burn the house down just go back and check straighteners I'm like no I know I did them it's like maybe that was yesterday maybe mm. you're remembering yesterday and not today I'm like no I definitely remember today it's like, no, but that could have been yesterday. It just catches you out every time. And like a bully, I guess it wears you down as well. And that's then when you break down and you're like, I can't cope with this. Just let me get on with my life. They just never leave you alone. It's awful. So we were talking earlier as well about how you were on like TV and stuff. Yeah, so um, I was, uh, I applied to be um, on a Channel 5 documentary about OCD. Um, and uh, in doing so, I think my story was really interesting because it um, followed uh, me getting married um, and um, kind of how OCD was fitting into all of that uh, as well. And from that, I was then asked to appear on This Morning um, and I was with Eamon and Ruth talking about um, what OCD actually is and um, how it's perceived in the media and what people think it is. So we had a bit of a conversation like what we said earlier about the socks. Some people like to have um, the petrol number on, you know, an even number or something like that, which is something Ruth confessed to actually doing when we were um, behind uh, the, um, the set. She was telling us about that and she was asking us whether that was OCD and we were saying, well, no, that's not OCD. Um, so it was great to be able to appear on that because... Um, we were able to educate uh, such a huge amount of people that usually would never ever tune in or hear about this. 
um, we're suddenly faced with kind of learning so much about a, a mental illness that has so much stigma attached to it. What was so nice is that I went on um, with my dad and you can you can see the video if if you go onto YouTube and, and type in um, Sarah and Raina this morning OCD. And um, my, my, my dad came on with me because when I was really ill, he was my carer and he was officially um, kind of registered as the person that would look after me. And so he was able to give an insight um, into a time when I was so wrapped up in my OCD that I found it hard to even see what my own life was like, if that yeah. makes sense. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, And it's, it's amazing how many people that you've actually shown that to as well that wouldn't have seen it before if it hadn't been on television. Yeah, that's right. And what's so nice is it followed... Um, it was a two-part series and it followed um, people with loads of different strands of OCD. So I know we were talking about um, some of the check-in ones or the organisation ones. Um, but there were some other really interesting types of OCD that I hadn't really heard of or seen before. Um, and the people that were on them were so young. And, and I, I think you had to be under 30 to apply to be on the programme. So it's particularly focused on young people in today's society struggling with this condition. And it gave a real insight into um, how difficult it actually is to, to struggle with it. It wasn't just the fluffy kind of um, laughing about it and, you know, making jokes on your blog, which is what I do a lot. And I make jokes about things which other people would find quite morbid, but to me is my way of dealing with it. You know, it saw people having panic attacks and floods of tears just totally overwhelmed. And the reception for that, I mean, I was following on Twitter, which is a difficult thing to know whether you want to actually do that or yes. not. Because, you know, there are some horrible comments. There's people saying, wow, her parents obviously didn't bring her up right. And it's like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That's obviously what's happened here. Um, it's, you know, but the amount of people that I had literally no idea that this is what it was like. And the great thing was it was on after Big Brother. So we caught a huge amount of audience uh, you know on channel five that never would have seen that before they just popped yeah. on and they got really um drawn in by it and people were saying gosh i thought i had ocd but it's nothing like this and to see people recognizing that perhaps they've used ocd more as kind of a describing term in the past to suddenly think oh my gosh this is not what i thought it was it did exactly what we wanted it to do and, you know, it really made people think, actually, next time I say I'm so OCD, I don't actually mean I am. So that was really encouraging to see that. And I guess because it's so raw and so real as well, it must have been so scary. Like, obviously, for me, like I do like social media things and stuff, but not to the level that that was on TV, like in front of millions of people. Mm. But like even I've had like people like threatening to like kill me and stuff. So like, I can't imagine the kind of things that you must have had as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary to think that people have seen an insight into like the rawest part of your life. And there was stuff on that programme that my own, you know, extended family didn't even know. And um, I don't actually know about its availability um, online. I'm, I'm not sure, I've not checked, but... There was a part in it where my parents and I were talking about the most difficult time. And it was a time when I was like, I cannot go on. Like, I have to end this. I There is no point me living if this is my life. I was like, I just, I don't see, I have no quality of life. I don't do anything. I stay in bed all day. I, I'm a mess. My body is falling apart. 
and I rushed to the kitchen to get um, a knife and my my dad you know he's a big guy he's, he's six foot four and he just came up to me and he he grabbed me and held me back and I was kicking my legs out I was like I can't do it anymore dad like in floods and floods of tears my mum poor poor mum she just didn't know what to do like what do you do when your child does that like this isn't something people should have to deal with and bearing in mind as well you weren't like young at this point as well no I mean this was when I was probably I think I was 21 um and you know it's just I can't imagine what it must have felt like for them but it's quite funny when you think about it now because my mum was like, oh, where, where can we put all the knives so she won't do anything? She hid all the knives, all the scissors. She was like, I'll put them in the dirty laundry basket because <laughs> she won't go there. I mean, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. And she said it with a smirk because as a family, we're quite like that in how we process um, difficult things that happen to us. Um, but, you know, that that's intense stuff. Like... I'm talking about wanting to kill myself and my family, you know, my aunts and uncles just had no idea at all. And I remember, you know, I turn up late to work. People are like, oh, why are you so late? And it's like, oh, sorry, I got caught up. And it's like, no, I had three panic attacks. I checked my house three times. And I was nearly like sick getting here because it's that difficult for me to leave my own home. And at one point I considered killing myself. That's not really going to go down very well when you're late to a meeting. No, you can't really say that to your boss, can you? No. And I think when this program kind of aired, people were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that's what you go through every day. But the fact that there were people I didn't even know, it was actually easier for me to um, have people I didn't know watching it than people I did know. I guess because of the judgment as well. That's it. And I, what freaked me out the most was, you know, there's people that I haven't seen for years that I used to go to school with. And I'm like, oh, they maybe weren't very nice to me. And there was people at uni that used to kind of bully me for the way I behaved that were watching me, the inner workings of my life on telly. That scared me more than a random person or Twitter troll more than anything which is ridiculous really but that's that's the bit i found most difficult i remember sitting there and being like oh seren's on seren's on and we're turning the tv on getting like popcorn and everything to watch it and like i remember like obviously because that's not something you're normally watching as a family mm. it was really strange to see like my family's reaction to it as well because obviously we all know you yeah um and like to see that part and obviously because we were at the wedding as well yeah it was really strange because like at one point, I saw myself in the background and I was like, oh, it's me. It's me. I'm on TV. I'm famous at last. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess people saw I'm very bubbly outwardly. And even when um, my OCD is like crippling me, you would never know. And I'd be going into uni and, you know, I'd have my sleeves like pulled down over my hands so people couldn't see them. And, you know, I'd have my hair like up in a bun so no one could see how bad it was. Um, but I tried to hide it so much that in a way, when I kind of dropped out of uni, I kind of came out about my mental health problems. And I was like, actually, this is what's up with me you're talking about what on earth's going on. Why am I never there? This is actually what's wrong with me. And I found that like really empowering, but you know, 
when I see you, I'm always really bubbly. And I think people find it so hard to see that other side of me where I'm so weak and I appear quite confident out of like my own home. But I'm pretty much a different person when I'm at home because I lack so much confidence and so much trust in myself that I'm constantly battling my OCD and it's hard to win every time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess with with everything as well, there's the parts that you don't share with people because you're not going to want to share like the bad parts of mm. your life and putting on the front isn't to suggest that you don't have this problem. It's just a way of coping and I think people don't always realise that. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, it was amazing going on TV because I was able to educate so many people. And even if I just changed... 10 people's opinions that's 10 people's opinions that wouldn't have been changed if I hadn't have done that and there were people approaching me who had OCD it was like you had a voice then and you went with it and I couldn't say that and I'm not in a place to say that but you had that opportunity and thank you so much for doing that because I now feel more confident in speaking about it and there are people that aren't maybe as able to put across how they're feeling and maybe um, find that difficult but if they can share that clip of me it in some ways puts words into their mouth that they might not be able to do themselves it's a bit of a kind of talking point it's like well what's going on with you well this is a little bit about how I'm feeling which is really helpful to people and it's just that's what I try and do with my blogs as well and I try and you know give a voice to people who maybe aren't comfortable talking about it themselves um, and I know that people are finding that really helpful. And if I can do that, then at least I'm making a little bit of good out of a bad situation. No, of course. Did many people like stop you on the street or anything or recognise you? Did anyone? Um, no, no, <laughs> no one recognised me. People tweet me quite a lot and I get Facebook message requests um, saying that they found me after looking at me on, on online. Yeah, but then I, when I started at my new job... Um, uh, my my colleague said to me that she'd been out at the weekend uh, with her uh, cousin or someone she knew and she mentioned my name. She goes, oh yeah, um, well, Saren at work's been doing this. And I'm like, Saren who? And she's like, oh, Saren Rayner. Oh my gosh, was she that girl on this morning? Dun, dun, dun. I know. <laughs> and my friend Liz was like, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, does she work with you? And I was like, that is so weird that my friend's cousin or friend or someone had like knew who I was. It was just bizarre. And I guess because I've got an unusual name as well, people yeah. kind of remember it. But the other people that were on the program as well do some great, great stuff and they blog about it too. So it's nice to have a group of people that were so active in kind of getting their voice heard. Did you ever meet the other people? Or? No, but I'd love to. I know that um, one of the girls that was on it lives down in Exeter, which is like really close. Yeah. So I'd love to be able to talk to them about it. But there's some really great um, Facebook groups online and I'd recommend that if you know anyone with OCD or you have OCD, that um, you join them. Um, because what I found when I joined that group, and I know my dad was worried that it would actually make me worse because I'd pick up other things from other people, but I found a community of people that didn't make me feel like I was going crazy. Yeah, they won't judge you. And no, and there were people you. on there that were saying, does anyone else find it hard that when they get out of the shower, 
they think they've touched the floor and their whole body is dirty. And I'm like, yes, hello, this is me. And I was like, whoa. And I messaged these people like, I can't believe you do the same thing. It's like, does anyone do a load of laundry and then can't remember whether you've cleaned it or not, even though you can know it's wet? Everyone's like, yeah, I do that all the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, there are other people out there like this. And I actually met one of my best friends and one of my bridesmaids on this Facebook group and she, you know she's you know one of my best friends now and we started chatting on this Facebook group because we had very similar strains of OCD and we did um, loads of stuff the same as each other and so I messaged her like hi do you ever struggle with this and if so how do you deal with it and you know she lives in Manchester so not very far away um, in comparison to where she could have been which is America there's people in there all over the world but having that um, that sense that you're not alone made such a difference to me. I think. Yeah. Is there is there anything else that you'd probably that you'd say if anyone has OCD or if you've got someone in your family with OCD, anything that you'd say helped you or anything that you'd recommend? Yeah. I mean, it's so difficult because it's quite it's quite easy actually in children to recognise. Um, OCD a lot of children have obsessive behaviors so um, lots of children maybe count things a certain amount of times or they um, I don't know touch things a certain amount of times I know my dad did when he was a kid but he doesn't have OCD some children just perform weird habits Um, but how do you know then what's a weird habit and what's actually OCD And I think it's when you notice a member of your family getting overly, more so than maybe the next person, distressed over a specific issue. And it will normally be the same thing. Like, it's one thing saying, um, oh, I like this to be like this, and I like this to be like this. But it's actually, I've spent the last um, hour organising my bookshelf, and I've gone to bed and got back up and done it. And you go, just go back to bed. And they go, no, I can't. Not until I've done done. this. But to a level where they're getting really stressed about it. It's not just, I'll do it in the morning. It's, I have to do this. I have to do this before. I I can't rest until I've done this. I guess it's when it interferes with your daily life. That's it. It's when it changes your patterns of life so much so that you're not behaving how you were before. Um, And it's quite hard to get people maybe to a GP. Um, but that's the best place to go is to, if you can get your member of a family to, um, to your GP, um, or if you think that you have, um, OCG yourself, it's probably, you know, there's some good stuff online. If you want to look on mind, um, or there's OCD UK or OCD action, there are some really good sites, which explain a few of the symptoms of OCD, but realistically, you're not going to get, um, a diagnosis from the internet. So if you're worried about how you're feeling or maybe you're you're noticing you're doing some behaviors more than normal it's always good to go to your gp but there's if you think someone in your family's got it there's loads of great videos about people talking about it so maybe you say oh i've seen this thing like what do you think of that it's a great way to kind of approach that because maybe they don't quite know how to talk to you about it but something i found really helpful is um kind of characterizing my OCD so for people that are aware they've got it is the biggest thing for me when is when I separated my OCD from myself so I was like actually this person I've got something in my brain that isn't quite right and 
the things it tells me aren't true. And I know deep down that I'm not a horrible person. And I know that I'm not stupid. And I know that I'm caring. But my OCD tells me I'm not. And when you can separate that and you can go, actually, the things that uh, my mind is telling me aren't actually true. You can kind of put it in a box and separate it from yourself. Otherwise, you really start to believe these things about yourself. So I gave my OCD a character and I love Disney. So I gave it Cruella de Vil. Um, so <laughs> it's easy for me. I think that's Cruella. She's talking to me again. And I then see myself um, as Elsa from Frozen when she just sings Let It Go. And there's a rather rude version, uh, which I won't sing now. <laughs> but um, it's about basically just letting go and being like, well, actually, this doesn't really matter. Just go away. I don't need this right now. So in my mind, I kind of see those two battling it off. And I see Elsa with her ice palace and she's just pushing people away. And that's... That's really helped me because I've identified with someone who also struggles and it helps to be a character, I think, for me because I can kind of see them in my head visually and another girl on the programme actually drew her own character. I can't remember what it was called now, but it was amazing and she kind of, it was kind of a little goblin thing and she, she drew him and that was her OCD right there. She'd drawn it. And scrunch it up and throw it in the bin. Yeah, and there's loads of ways to do it, but to separate it and go, that thought that just came in, not helpful, not true. I don't have to believe everything I think and when you realise that, because, yeah, you know, everyone thinks stuff. Like, you can wake up in the morning and go, oh, gosh, I look disgusting. Everyone must hate me. Lots of people think that. And you go, that's not actually true. I've just thought that. I'm just going to ignore that. And it's the same when you realise not everything you think is true. Some things you think are just a lie or not true. That is so helpful because if you believe everything you think and you've got OCD. We'd all be messed up. <laughs> you, you'd go down a very dark alleyway. If I thought everything my OCD told me was true, I'd be very poorly. But it's when you make that decision that, yeah, I've got this stuff, these intrusive thoughts coming in, these horrible things I'm thinking. I don't have to act on them. I don't have to. And I also don't have to believe them. And sometimes all people need is kind of the permission to not do it. So sometimes I say to my dad, do I need to check my window? And he was like, no. And I was like, I really want to. And he's like, Saren, you don't need to do any of this. And I felt like a weight had been lifted. I was like, but are you sure? Like, I'm not a bad person if I don't check it. Like, I feel like I'm terrible. He's like, you don't need to do any of this. You are free to not do it. And I felt like, you know what, I don't. I have permission to, to break my OCD's rules. And I think that was so important for my recovery. It's amazing how resilient you are as well. I mean, overcoming all of this. I don't I don't think that people talk about the resilience and the strength that you need to overcome it. Mm. So, and yeah. I think it's also about giving in as well. So if going back to that kind of alcoholic um, example that we were using. So sometimes um, if you go back on something, so I've made all this progress and I've maybe not had a drink for this long and I've been sober for this long. I've had an awful day and I'm really stressed out. I could just have a drink. And it's very easy for someone to say, well, should I just check that window? And they're going, well, if it makes you feel better, just go and check it. But would you say to someone who's been sober for six months, 
well, if it makes you feel better, just have a glass of wine. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> You'd be like, what are you doing? Stop. You don't do that. Don't feed the habit. Don't feed the habit. And so if someone, if you're trying to um, overcome your OCD, the best thing to do is not keep going back. So if someone says, oh, oh should, maybe I should just do that. Don't go. Yeah, well, if it makes you feel more calm, then maybe you should just go back and check it. Or if it makes you feel better, maybe you should just drive back and have a look. You've not run over anybody. Or maybe just wash it again if you're not sure. That is just, you know, reconfirming that there was an issue. If there's not an issue, don't do it. Just be like, so something that is really helpful is going, where's the evidence to suggest that's true? So something I have is um, I go, oh, I think that my coat might have just touched that sick I just walked past on the street. I go, well, where's the evidence to suggest that's true? And I'll go, wow, OCD. Uh, the evidence is that there isn't any. It's like, yeah, but it, what if it did? And I'll go, well, let me check my coat, OCD. There's no sick on my coat, so there's no evidence. It's like, yeah, but maybe it's invisible. And I'm like, okay, we're, all, we're just over this conversation now. And something else is fact or opinion. Is it a fact that that's on my coat? No. Is it an opinion? Yes. If everyone lived their life on opinions, then we'd be in a right mess. Factually, do I know that happened? No. Is it when worth worrying about? Nah, I won't. <laughs> And those two things have got me out many situations. So if you are struggling with your OCD, if you go on um, Get Self Help, um, I think it's either .co.uk or .com, the things that you need to look at are the thought court, which helps you kind of do the evidence-based stuff. So you can put a thought in a court and you go, if this was in a court, what would be the evidence for and what would be the evidence against this case? So go, well, for the cases I had this feeling and against the case would be, there's absolutely nothing to prove this actually happened. Obviously, that's going to win. And there's a little thing at the end. You can go, this is my conclusion. And then you wrap that up, put that in the bin, move on. And then there's a fact or opinion one, which is also on that same website, which talks you through not really worrying about stuff that could or couldn't be, may or may not be, but actually focusing on what actually happened. So I definitely have a look at those things. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Saren. And where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, in my handle is Saren Rina, um, or you can follow my blog as well. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pop that in the comments. <laughs> I'm so amazing. I don't even know what my blog is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thank Bye. you.